0: I'm wondering, do you, do you like Hallmark movies? Yeah, That was a hearty yes. All right, thank you. Yes, yes. I like them too. I, I, don't, always, I don't always know what channel they're on, but I do like them when I encounter them. I always encounter them. At, I used to find them always at my mom's house. Uh, in, in Christmas Hallmark movies, there's often something bad that happens that gets turned around that ends up being a good thing. So I'm thinking of like a woman spills her packages and then a handsome man helps them pick them up, right? And then they get married somehow. There's there's usually something after that. Uh, I am sure that I have had many serendipitous moments, great moments that have happened in my life, but the things that I tend to remember are when the things don't go so well. I remember when things go the opposite direction, when everything is sunny and it goes to mush, You know those situations. Uh, Have you ever had a day that's kind of the opposite of a Hallmark Christmas movie day? I think you probably have. I remember a specific moment. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but uh, I, I remember I was, I think I was in my freshman year of college. I was living at home, going to City College, and got in my truck and I was driving to class. I think I had a test. And I remember driving there, and as I was about halfway to school, my car ran out of gas, which it, it just seems like it happens a little more often when you're younger, right? And no, there was no ding. I didn't hear the ding. I had an old car. For those of you who don't, who are too young for this, there used to be cars that didn't warn you. It just went to E and it was done, right? I was driving along and it just said, uh, nope, I'm done, right? This car, to get the window down, I had to do this, Right? <laughs> right? I think I had to hold the handle up to keep, to lock it, right? When you like lock it and like get to hold the handle up. Did you have that kind of thing, right? So old car, that's just the way it was. It stopped. Here's the thing. That day was a sunny, beautiful day. And suddenly I ran out of gas. So I go, okay, well, there's a gas station back this way a little ways. I walk back there. Luckily, I had 20 bucks in my pocket or whatever. And I bought a gas can and bought a gallon of gas. Walked back to my truck, fill my truck up. But what I did not know is that you're supposed to put a little bit of gas in the carburetor, because I had run it all the way out. So no, 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 I keep trying, I keep trying. Battery dies. So Now my battery's dead. I'm like, this is great. And I'm mad, and I slam my door, and I realize I locked my keys in the car. <laughs> That's great. Ah! I'm like, OK, so I'm kind of losing my mind. I'm like, all right, I got to go back to the gas station. So I walk all the way back to the gas station again. Luckily, it wasn't too, too far. Get somebody to help me out, figure out if I can find a hanger or whatever and get all that stuff. I go back to my car. There's a police car behind my car because apparently I had parked in front of a little dip. It wasn't actually an entrance to a place, but I was parked in front of what could be called a driveway. He's like, hey, I'm going to have to give you a ticket, bud. I'm like, this day is terrible. It was the worst. Yeah, I didn't get a ticket. He's like, you're having a bad enough day, man. I'm sorry. Right. So... They helped me out after that. But every decision that I kept making made it go from bad to worse. I kept making it worse by everything I was doing. Funny enough, I started to keep a hanger in my car after that. I was like, that's it. In the trunk, in the, in the back of the truck, so I could get to it. I wonder if you've had days like that where things turn from sunny to mush and get worse. Whether it's from outside circumstances, things that are happening to you, or maybe it's by your own or decision-making that makes it worse. Maybe we have been in those experiences. However you get there, and maybe even if you are presently in a very difficult situation, I want us to be encouraged by a story that's in the Bible that we have that reminds us that God changes the story in the good direction. God takes bad stories and makes them good. God changes the story. We might think that everything is completely fouled up by our circumstances or by our decisions. But God changes things, and he ends up bringing all the storylines together into his grand narrative and brings it to a good end. So what's going to be really great about this passage is that in a really difficult, a really scary situation, this person is going to point us to God, that God is the king who changes the story. This passage is in Luke 1. If you have a Bible, you can open that with us. The book of Luke is one of four Gospels, these stories about the life uh, life of Jesus. And our passage today is a song that comes from Jesus' mother's lips, from Mary herself. I'm going to have to set the stage a little bit for that. While you're turning there or flipping in your app to get to Luke 1 later on in the chapter, I want to say, let's set the stage. A lot of times I will say evangelicals, they kind of view Mary with a little bit of suspicion. We don't want to show her too much reverence or something like, that. hey, she's still a person. She's a person. And, what, and we recognize that at times that has happened. But what has happened for evangelicals is that we've kind of created her into a one-dimensional person. We make her just the mother of Jesus, and that is it, nothing more. But she was just a person. She was the vessel through whom Jesus came to the earth. That in itself makes her very special, but I want to tell you, she is an amazing person in her own right. You probably know the story about her. Mary was a young woman who was engaged to a man, a good, righteous guy named Joseph. And there was an angel who appeared to her and said, hey, Mary, even though you're a virgin, you're going to be having a baby. And she replied to to the angel something like, I think you don't know where babies come from. And the angel said, hey, don't worry about it, we got this. Team God, we got this, don't worry about that. This baby is going to be born by God's spirit. And she believed, which already in itself is not an automatic thing, because the the stakes were really high for her. I I think we, we need to take a moment to appreciate how high the stakes were for her. What would it have been like to be Mary? She's in a situation that is almost certainly going to bring her shame. rejection. Not just embarrassment. Life-altering shame and embarrassment. Think about it. What would all the people around her say? If you are no longer in high school, you can think back to being in high school. If you're in high school, you can think about this. What can you think about? What would be something that would happen in your life that would set everybody at your school talking about you in particular? Not about a specific event. About you. Everybody at school talking about you. That is what she is facing. A situation where everybody will know and talk about it. What would her fiance say? What's Joseph going to say? If he wouldn't have her, if he would reject her, actually he had planned on breaking up with her after this, an angel appears to him and convinces him to stick with her, would she be going back to her family then, I guess? But what would her family say? If you, if you are white and you grew up in America, you're probably pretty far removed from the kind of culture that Mary is in. Uh, because for a lot of us here, we kind of take our individualism for granted. But, hey, we can make our own choices. Hey, maybe something's bad, but she can just go get a job at 7-Eleven or whatever. That's not, she has no 7-Eleven. There's no option for her there. So a lot of us today, we grew up in a relationship with our family that is, is more individualized. But not all of us. Some of us here grew up in families where we, our relationship with our family was more primary, where you get together more often, where multiple generations live together. It's also where we're not only tight knit, but maybe our family gets to decide a lot of things for us. They decide your major, or they decide what your kind of your career path. Maybe, maybe for some of you, your grandparents named you. That can be a reality for us as well. And if you grew up in that kind of family, you are going to feel more deeply in your bones the kind of situation that Mary is feeling herself in. You would would feel, you know what it would be like to feel afraid of being excluded from your family. And if you're a woman at that time and you get kicked out of your family, you are probably going to go hungry. So, this isn't just that she's going to face embarrassment. If, if we can't think about it in that way, if the people closest to her did not believe that God had done this for her, her life is going to be in danger. This is a dire situation. And worse, this is a situation God has put her in. I wonder if you can you can kind of feel that. This is a lot worse than running out of gas on Saratoga Avenue. Because even if this works out for the best for her, it's going to forever change her life. She's engaged. There's a path that is laid out before her. She's going to get married to a good guy, and she's imagining what married life is going to look like. She, she's making all these wedding preparations. He—he's a good guy. People like him. This is—I'm—I'm I'm getting something good here. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to settle down. I know kind of what my life is looking like. And as I, I plan farther out, I can plan. You know, my kids are going to be there to take care of me, all that kind of stuff. But now the angel is telling us that you're going to get pregnant outside of wedlock. Things are going in a different direction than what she had planned. I knew a guy in college who was, I can't remember if he was just seriously dating or if they actually had gotten engaged, but he was at least on the point of getting engaged with her. And at some, they had their dreams together. They had planned their life together and one day in a restaurant in line, she just died. And he's in his 20s and he says, this is the life I had planned. I knew where things were going, and now she's not there. So our dreams can evaporate like that. And you might have walked through times in your life where circumstances were not coming about the way that you expected that they would. This is not the way that you had it planned. This isn't the way it was supposed to work out. You might be struggling with a situation that you wouldn't have chosen for yourself. And when we're in those spaces, suddenly it seems like God is expecting you to face something that you're not prepared for. You feel like not only is it different or unexpected, I'm not emotionally or physically or financially prepared for this situation. And I think that that's the situation that Mary's in. She's not necessarily prepared, but God does give her some resources, and she's going to end up singing a hymn of praise to God. And that's that's the whole background that we have when we read this passage with Mary. What would it take for you, in your circumstances, to sing a song like Mary? Here is what she says, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth, her cousin, for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us to understand your word today and for it to to get into our hearts so it can be in our mouths so it can be in our hands and our feet. May we be people who are shaped by your word. And we thank you for our sister Mary. We pray that we will meditate on these words this morning and have them shape the way that we face circumstances. May we believe that you are the God who changes things. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so Mary, she kicks off off worshiping God. She's in a hard situation, but she's worshiping God. My soul magnifies, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You may know the translation, my soul magnifies the Lord. I was already saying it myself. Verse 46. These aren't the words of somebody who's in distress. She's confident. So she's in difficulty, but not in distress. Because she knows that God has changed the story. She's able to worship. And God is going to change the story. And I'm going to talk about four different ways that I see in this passage, this thing with Mary. The first one is that God, I'll just tell you them all. He changes the story by including us. He changes the story by giving us his people. He changes the story by turning things upside down. And he changes the story by bringing it together masterfully. Let's hit all those things. He changes the story by including us, first of all. So these are going to bring us to worship our King. He changed the story by including us. Mary, she's brought to worship even in this stressful moment because she recognizes God's bigger story and how she's included in it. Verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He's thought about me. God remembered me. God's thinking about me and is involved in my story. He's entered into my story. I'm recognizing now that my life is a part of what God is doing. I was just a person before, and now I'm a person who God is working in. And she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. something big has changed in her for her to say, God has done great things for me. Not, thanks a lot, God, right? Maybe that's what she thought at first. But God has done great things for her. Now, at the moment, a lot of people might have had hard things to say about her. And I will say some of those labels probably stuck in her hometown, about her and for a long time. Some commentators note that later when Jesus is a man and he's involved in his ministry, there are some echoes of the scandal of his birth that are included in his teaching. When Jesus goes back to his hometown, he's teaching there and people start to react to him saying, hey, wh- where did he get this learning? This is Mark 6. ahead and put this up. And he says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Look, they don't call him Joseph's son they pretty sure it's not Joseph's. It's possible that this is a kind of a slight. Uh, it's not 100% sure, but it's possibly a slight. And calling him Mary's son was like kind of a subtle reminder that he was born out of wedlock. Why would we expect kind of teachings from a carpenter and certainly not from Mary's son? So at this moment when Mary is speaking, he's been mindful of the state of his servant. She, she's recognizing that it, She started maybe to show even that she's pregnant. I don't know. But she knows that in the future, people are going to call her blessed. And it's true. We know who she is. We know her story. And we call her blessed because of her part in all of this. And she's saying, this holy God, this this God who has worked throughout history, He has done great things not only in the world, but I see that He's doing good things for me. And when this story Is all told. When everybody knows all of the information, they're going to be able to say that I'm blessed. They're going to know that He has done great things for me. When they know the end of the story, they're going to say, God has blessed her. And she sees that even now. I think it's amazing that she sees this good thing that God is doing, even if right now other people misunderstand. And it gives her courage. She's able to worship. And our stories aren't done. And maybe I'm even among the people who don't understand. Maybe I misunderstand. Maybe I interpret this wrongly right now, not as well as Mary. But when I and other people understand the whole story, it's going to be beautiful and it will lead us to worship. Because God really does have a big story. A story where He includes people like Mary. And He includes people like you and me. I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that God thinks about you. God thinks about you, knows you personally, knows about your intricacies, the things that you do, your patterns, who you are. And God, when he enters our story, he changes your story, changes your life. My story includes kind of regular people, who were invested in me, people who the world would maybe call minor characters in the world, but who were huge in my own story. And Mary is a part of the story. Uh, I think we can turn now to think about some other people, this woman, Elizabeth, who is a part of this as well. So when Mary is singing this song, there's there's some verses that are above that, that give some context, that she finds out that she's pregnant, and it says that she headed out to her relative, Elizabeth, to spend some months out there. And I want to say, God, this is the second point, God changes the story. I didn't say that. God changed your story. I should say that. God has changed your story by including you in his. God has changed your story. God invested in you, is investing in you, and he's changing your story by including you in the grand narrative of what he's doing. And he has something special for you. Maybe you're the person who is investing in someone else like Elizabeth. Go ahead and go to that. He changes the story by giving us his people. We can sometimes think that we're alone. We can sometimes think that we have to handle these things by ourselves. But even Mary has Elizabeth. Elizabeth is older. She's old enough that she thought that she wasn't going to get pregnant ever. And actually, she's the other miraculous birth that takes place in Luke 1. An angel visits her husband and says, you're going to have a baby. And he's like, I don't think so. And the angel says, yeah, you're not going to be able to talk for a while. So there's a little more punishment with him. Uh, So uh, in Luke 1, I I listened to this uh, chapter, Luke 1, many times this last week, just kind of getting into the story. And one time in particular, it really struck me how Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant. And for her, it's something that brings honor. It says uh, at the end of Luke one, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had showed her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Elizabeth, we're so happy for you. That's not the reaction that Mary is going to get. People are not overjoyed for Mary, but Elizabeth ends up being the person who helps verify to Mary that her child is special. She's among the people who do that. And we read that in the verses just before, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town. This is just after she meets with the angel. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She goes to a whole different region from where she was in Nazareth. And as she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes God gives us people who will encourage us. It has never struck me as much as this last week how important Elizabeth's words would have been to Mary. It must have been amazing. Given the possibility of all her rejection and different angles, there's somebody from her family who is willing to believe that God was at work. God's at work. This is special. And if you are going to be more likely to worship God in the long term, you're going to need godly people in your life who surround you, who tell you things like this, who encourage you, who give you God's words, who say, no, this isn't the end of the story. Your story's not done yet. You need people who are going to do that for you. You need, you need to be around, to be physically around other Christians who are going to help you with this, and to do that with people outside of Sundays. To spend time with other believers who are not just going to, you know, horse around. That's kind of fun. But also to ask big questions. What's happening in your marriage right now? How, how has it been for you in that, that thing? To try to remember, you know that thing that happened with your brother? What ended up happening with that? To tell us words of scripture and to pray for us. because We need those. And I will say, in those relationships too, some of us need to step up to go to the next level as well to be the kind of person who encourages, to be that person who prays, to share scripture, to invite people to trust God. I think about a a moment, a friend of mine, I was was having some doubts before we went to France and I I wasn't really sure. There's there's some other funny circumstances with this whole thing, but I I wasn't really sure what was going to be happening. And I got a phone call from my friend, Melanie Chow. She said, Kurt, I was just sitting in my office right now and I felt like I needed to pray for you. And I did, I prayed for you. And I just wanted to call you and say, what's going on? I said, you know, I'm having a lot of doubts about us going back to France. And you know what she said to me? She said, you can't not go to France. God wants to use you there. She said, I'm I'm gonna pray for you right now. You're discouraged and I'm gonna pray for you. She took the initiative already to hear the Holy Spirit, but to call me and encourage me. And it helped me a lot. It reminded me that God is thinking about me, that I'm not just making things up on my own. Other people are involved in my journey, and we can encourage one another. You can be like Melanie. You can be like Elizabeth and help other people in their journey because our king changes our story. You're not actually alone. You're with other people, and God uses other people to help us remember that. All right, back to Mary's song. The third character trait is that our king changes the story by turning things upside down. Mary could believe that God was working in her because she actually knows the way that God works. She knows some of God's history with his people. He's a God who doesn't forget about people. He's a God who cares about the forgotten and the marginalized. And she might think, hey, you know what, I'm I'm kind of a nobody but you know what? I've read the Bible and I know that God works in nobody's. I've seen it in other places. So she knows scripture and she knows that that is, it is natural that God would bring about his story in that way. The question that, that is begged here is, who is actually truly rich? Who is truly powerful? It's the people that God chooses. He says, or she sings, she says, he has, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. The people who are really full, who are really rich, are the ones who God gives to. And, and we know rich people, poor people alike, come to faith in Christ uh, we're going to be reading the book of James beginning in January and one of the things that James talks about is hey we need to make sure that we welcome people equally as believers god has leveled the playing field we are all equal in christ he humbles people who have a lot of things to be proud of and he brings up people who are marginalized in other ways and he says he gives them honor and we should treat each other equally in that way he's a kind of an equalizer so we can extend that as well to say hey God turns things upside down. In in our culture at large, people who are greedy, who fight to get ahead, who are grasping and harsh, and willing to step on other people, are the ones who get ahead in general. It's true; it's just the way it goes. And if somebody from there, that background, comes to Christ, they're going to need some humbling in order to do that. Uh, But in Christ, the people who are trampled, people who are weak. People who are marginalized, they're given a new status, they're given a new name, they're given honor and glory, and that story for both people starts in Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the name of Chuck Colson. Uh, he was somebody who was uh, sent to prison as part of the Watergate scandal, if you're old enough to know about that. Uh, there, so he was sent to prison as part of the Watergate scandal, and while he was there, he actually found Christ in prison. And God changed his story. We don't have enough time to tell the whole thing, but he ended up founding afterwards a ministry called Prison Fellowship. He says, hey, you know what? We need to not forget about prisoners. We need to witness to people and tell them the good news. God shapes the lives of people who are cast out, people who who are down and out, people who have made bad decisions. We can be saved. And so Prison Fellowship has been a beautiful thing that has ministered to prisoners over the years and extended the grace of Jesus to everyone. think like it speaks to the power of the gospel. Because God turns things upside down. The way that things were is not how they are. and We'll get to that in a little bit more. But I will say, for us, there are things in our past that we feel like, I don't know if God can still use us. When I was in campus ministry, I used to tell my students, let say, he uses the manure of your past." to be the fertilizer of your future. <laughs> so, however, God can use those things. Maybe, maybe God, I, I think of people like uh, Nikki Cruz, who is a, a gang member who came to Christ and uses that as a powerful part of his testimony. Everything that God is doing in you now, it can just be part of your story later to minister to other people who are in that same situation. God turns things upside down. I think that gives us some hope. This is the Sunday of hope. Maybe that gives you some hope for your marriage. Maybe that gives you some hope for some relationships that are strained. It can give you some hope for some other places, even in your own depression. It can give you some hope. Maybe God has something more planned for us later that we'll be able to look back on this moment and say, God, turned this thing around. I think we need to maybe encourage each other with those words. All right, last thing. Mary tells us that God changes the story by bringing everything together masterfully. She "She knows that this baby is part of God's redemptive story because God had made promises to Abraham. Let me read that. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God had made these promises to Abraham. You can read about it in Genesis 12 or Genesis 15. God was going to make his descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore, as numerous as the stars on the sky. But it had been so long. And it didn't look like God's going to do it. Now they're occupied by the Romans. Is there going to be any way? And it seemed like God's never going to fulfill his promise. Maybe he forgot. But the angel tells her, he said to Mary, in, when he met with her, he says this. He says, he, your son, will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom will never end. He makes some pretty big promises about this baby that's coming. Before Jesus was born, he was already king. And Mary knew it. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she knew. Okay? Yeah, she knew. Angel told her. She knew has. So what does that mean for you and me? (laughs) Oftentimes we see our circumstances as being kind of separate from the rest of our faith life. We don't think about how God might actually be using us in the bigger picture of what he's doing in the world. The the problems in our life or the stress of our days are kind of separate from the overall story of what God is doing. So we, we instead of seeing ourselves in any moment of experiencing God's goodness or or his grace as part of everything that's pointing forward to God's consummation in his new creation, we see our lives as somehow just normal lives and and here. But God's saying, no, you're my people, and I work in my people, and I'm accomplishing my promises. And, And Mary recognizes that God hasn't forgotten his promises. We're not going to hinder God's work. We can be a part of it. And I think we need to have Mary's perspective here. She's she's worshiping and wanting to welcome this king because this king turns turns bad stories to good. He protects the powerless, and he's going to bring all the different storylines together eventually into this one person. He's the one that everything has been pointing toward because our king changes the story. He's the one who is all-powerful. He turned the story around even by what a powerful person looks like. He comes as a baby. He turns things upside down. He's he's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises as this king who's supposed to come, but he's the king who dies. There's a two-word phrase that I keep thinking of throughout this whole thing when I think of what Mary's story is, and I think of this phrase, but God, but God. Mary had these circumstances that would have been bad for anybody normally, but God was a part of that story. But God sent Elizabeth, but God was completing his story. Mary had plans for a regular old life, but God interrupted. Abraham had his life in one city, and he was maybe going to stay there, but God called him to go into the land that he was calling him to. And maybe you or I, we can have, we can be people who can think that nothing could change the situation that we're in. But Mary's song proclaims, but God. But God gives us value. But God gives us perspective and pulls us out of our situations. I'll say, you know, a lot of times we want to imagine our lives in kind of the normal, safe, predictable, peaceful way we can direct our steps in the direction we're going to go. We want to be loved, we want to be respected, we want to be secure, we want to be satisfied. We think that we can control things on our own. There's the negative part, but God sometimes gets involved. But God calls us to our, himself. But God, our king, calls us to obedience. That's different than just taking care of ourselves. And so what happens is he puts us in discomfort. He brings us into difficulty sometimes. He takes us to scary places. And in those places, we have to let Him have control. We have to risk our reputation. We have to give up our ambition or at least use our ambition for the kingdom. We need to find our peace in Him, to use all the unique gifts that we have to serve Him and His kingdom, to let go of one support and fly on the trapeze before we catch. The other, and that feels super scary. Because here's the thing I want to say we see in Mary's life, you can't trust God. You can't follow God and be left unchanged. Because you had plans for the direction you're going, but God had different plans, and they are good. He's weaving this whole tapestry of life together to point toward where history's culmination is headed. And your life is a part of it. Not peripheral, you're a part of it. And one of our great joys is we can echo Mary's words in our life. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul worships God, for he has done great things for me. So I I hope that this week you can do that. You can say, God has done great things for me. Because Christ is in us. He's changed our story. Here's my challenge for us this week. How has God done great things for you? And I, I want you to tell somebody. Doesn't, it, could be, it could be another believer. It can be whoever you want. I would love for you to tell the story. How has God's story been a reversal for you? How has he humbled you? How has he honored you in ways you didn't expect? When we sing joy to the world, we sing let earth receive her king. And so as part of us preparing him room, besides moving your rear ends forward, um, during the next few Sundays of Advent, uh, we're going to continue with that line from joy to the world. Let uh, let earth receive her king. Because we're going to look at several different scripture texts. All of them are going to be in the beginning part of Luke there. And we saw Mary's song today. We're going to be looking at Zechariah and the angels and a man named Simeon. And we're going to see that this king is worthy of us receiving. Let earth receive her king. And I I think if we all received our king like Mary did, it would be better for us. It might be a little tumultuous at times. But in the moments of brokenness and failure, we would have the confidence that she has. Because it's not the end of the story. Our king changes the story. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage in Luke, for Mary and her her example. She's somebody who knew that you were worthy of worship, even in a a kind of a difficult time for her. And we pray that we will be people who say, you're the one who changes the story. I, I pray for us right now. We think about something in our lives right now where the story needs to be changed. We ask you, God, to change that story. To give us hope in the midst of those circumstances. We need your presence to believe that you're thinking about us right now. And what we've got here. And we want to cling to you so that our soul will glorify you. That we can worship you in these difficult or hard circumstances.